This morning we're, we're continuing to preach through the book of Colossians and uh, we wrapped up our Under Control series last week uh, talking about attitudes and, and this week uh, we've started, a, a, Paul kind of transitions to another guidance and direction and, and some of your Bibles might have a heading that says Instructions for Christian Households um, and, and over the next three Sundays we're going to be looking at uh, relationships God's way, relationships uh, God's way, because we know that um, we tend to want to do relationships our way, <laughs> and uh, and the culture has an idea of how we should do relationships, and Paul jumps uh, right in on this. I, I, I realize this first one is on marriage. It's two verses, uh, verses 18 and 19. Paul is really brief in this section on his guidance. Uh, if you go to Ephesians and 1 Corinthians 7 and look at other places, Paul has a lot to say about marriage. And so I'm not going to try to tackle all that in one sermon. I'm really just going to look at these two verses. And, and you'll find many times when someone is brief, what they're saying is of great importance. Does that make sense? If you're going to write one verse on marriage, I should probably write the most important thing, I would think, is how Paul is writing. And so he, he gives us some direction first in verse 18 for wives and second in verse 19 for husbands. So uh, I, I want to share with you a little bit, though, because I know a lot of you are coming from different places, right? Some of you in here are married. And so you're thinking, here's my conference. Here's my workshop. I'm going to get this fixed. I will fix my spouse today. <laughs> All right. That's that's why you showed up like you you just thought today's the day I figure him or her out and I get it straightened out. Um, and, and I'd like for you to, to, to reverse that mindset and be reminded that you cannot change other people. You cannot control your spouse. Uh, but rather to be open-hearted and hear, search your own heart and say, God, how can I be a better husband or wife? Right, that's where I want you to be at this morning and say, how can I serve you better uh, in, the, in my role in, in marriage? Some of you are in here and you're single and glad. Some of you are in here and you're single and sad. Some of you are in here are divorced or remarried or in blended family. Some of you are in here uh, maybe a widow or a widower. And this might be a difficult thing to sit through. I see faces here that had marriages that lasted decades, uh, and their spouses are now uh, with the Lord. I, I want this not to be as much. There are some practical things here about marriage, but at, at the end, this sermon and every scripture that's written is really about Jesus. So no matter where you come from in that circumstance or those situations, where you are in a, in a in your romantic relationships, I hope you hear how Jesus comes out in the scripture. So again, just a reminder, this is not about pointing fingers. If you're here to fix somebody, probably not going to work out great for you. Uh, if you're here to search your heart and say, God, how can I be a better, uh, then, then I think that's the healthy place to be. I was reminded as we were moving into this, it did just happen to fall on uh, you know, the 12th, which is two days until... Valentine's Day, it worked out pretty neat. This is a, a picture, I, I went up, had lunch at UPike uh, this week, and I saw this on a bulletin board, and, and they're doing these uh, Valentine's Day grams. You've seen these at schools or colleges, universities. And uh, I saw this flyer hanging up, and it reminded me immediately, it, it was 20 years ago this month 
that I was at Pikeville College. I was a student, and I had a class with a, a girl named Bethany Thacker. And I, I was in choir because I was in the music program. I was not in choir because they recruited me. <laughs> I had to be there. And she was in choir, and we had to do this. It was a fundraiser for the choir. And uh, I did not that year purchase one and send it to her, but we did walk together, uh, the two of us, and deliver them to other people. And it, it was a month later, I would finally, we would be on the phone, and I would say, I don't, people were asking, I don't know what to tell them about us, which is my way of saying, can I tell them you're my girlfriend? And, uh, and she became my girlfriend. Three months later, I asked her to marry me, and two years roughly later, we were married. So we're, we're going on 18 years of marriage. Let me tell you what I've not done in those 18 years been perfect. Uh, let me tell you what I've not got it all figured out in 18 years through my experience. Uh, if you're looking to us as a prime example to look to, we will probably let you down. Okay, so I'm not going to I'm not going to encourage you to do that while I love her and I believe our marriage is amazing. We are like you all trying to figure this out day by day and do the best we can. So this morning, what I'd like to do is just look at the scripture and see what Paul has to say about this, because Valentine's Day, man, it puts all kinds of things in your mind. You got to get chocolate and flowers and do all the things, and, and we get the culture's love, and we get your love that you think it's supposed to be, and, and, and it becomes obligation, and it becomes out of, hopefully, it gets some benefit out of this, right, personal benefit, and so we start thinking about love, and really what we're going to talk about today is really not a lot about emotion or romance, romantic love. We're going to see it's something altogether different that God has called us to. All right? Y'all ready? That's the intro. Let's look at verse 18. Marriage, starting in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and read the second verse so you husbands don't start just enjoying this too much. Um, because your turn is going to come, but as it comes, we're going to spend some time on wives. First, verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. All right, that's the two verses, that's the two things that Paul shares in this passage of Scripture. First, let's talk uh, about wives and submission. This is probably not a, a popular thing in today's culture um, to hear Paul speak this way. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, there's a passage, a lot of stuff about marriage. And husbands will typically, uh, um, they will tend to want to start with this verse 22 that says, Wives, submit to your husbands. But there's a verse right before it that says that, that, that we should, everyone should submit to one another um, as in, in the fear of the Lord. While this word is specific, and there is guidance directly here to wives, submit to your husbands. I want to share just some Greek, and you're going to get bored for a second, but hold on because it's important. There's a Greek word here for submit, which is hupotasso. Y'all use that all the time, right? You know exactly what that means. Um, and, and that word was actually borrowed uh, in, in, in the Greek culture from the military. And so you say, what does this really mean? Does it really mean I'm supposed to submit and the, the, the husband is the authority? And, and, 
and the leader of the family. And again, you go to Ephesians 5, he expounds all that, and he says, yes, the husband is the head of the household as Christ is head of the church. So this word submit is actually borrowed from the military, and it does mean to come under in rank. One commentator kind of put it like this, what does that mean? If you think of an army that has generals, colonels, majors, captains, sergeants, and privates, um, in a military setup, one is obligated to respect those in a higher rank. This is what the commentator says. He's, but we know that as a person, a private can be smarter, more talented, and be a better person than a general, but he is still under rank. In other words, it is not to a person that you are obligated to, it's to a position. Right? So if Johnny is general, you are not, as a private, dedicated to respect Johnny because he's Johnny and he's good and he's better and he's done everything right. This is an order that God gave to creation in relationships that as it stands, a private respects the office and rank of general. And so this is going to hold true in your marriage, and I, I promise I'm going to get to answer some questions everybody's thinking right now and what this means. Uh, this is true in your marriage that as a wife, you, you do not submit to Johnny, your husband, because he's, a, he's the perfect husband and he's done everything right and he's earned it today. He's been a good boy today, so I'm going to submit to him, all right? This is out of God's design for family and marriage that the wife submits to the role of husband. Okay, so hold with me just for a second. Um, submission doesn't have anything to do with someone being smarter or better or more talented. It has to do with a God-appointed order. Wiersbe says this, this rank has nothing to do, or it has everything to do with order and authority, but not with value and ability. You are equal before God. You, God loves you just as much, but you are dynamically different in the way that God created husband and wife. And he has ordained and set in place roles in the marriage. Um, you, you know, there's two people in a marriage, a husband and a wife. When a decision comes to be made, you can't take a majority vote. You follow me for just a second? You can't take a majority vote. That what this submission means is that you're a part of a team, and if the family's a team, the husband is the captain. This word submit, though, I want for your husbands to calm down for just a second. This means, and if you look at the verb in the original Greek, it was a verb that meant voluntarily and willingly voluntarily and willingly. See, husbands tend to kind of see this, um, and, and, and I'm going to tell you two ways we mistranslate this, as it's fitting to those who belong to the Lord. Another translation that you might be more familiar with, familiar with, wives submit to your husbands as it's fitting to the Lord. And so you can read that, and here's what husbands will some, sometimes say, that, well, uh, you should submit to me, and I expect you to submit to me, um, as if I were God himself. You've met those people. You've heard that expectation. You've, you've seen husbands have that expectation for their wives. That says it's fitting to the Lord for you to submit to me. All right? And, and this is not what Paul is saying here. 
There is nothing in the New Testament that ever God, that there's any instruction to anyone to usurp the authority of God over another person. That we all answer ultimately only to one person, and that is God himself. A husband is never to be that. Uh, it really becomes idolatry at that point if you let the husband become uh, a, a complete authority authoritarian and tyrant. Y'all met tyrants? Some of y'all say I'm married to one. Hold it down just a little bit here. This is about willing submission. This is about a husband who's willing to lead. This is not about privilege to be the authority. Or the, this is about a deep responsibility to be. It's a weighty responsibility to be given this office as leader and head of your household. So there are limits. There are limits um, for uh, when you should submit to your husband. I'll, I'll say just a few here. Uh, if, if your husband or a husband asks the wife to sin, to do anything against God, to do anything that wouldn't bring God glory, to, to stop going to church, to any, any of these things, th this is not just a, uh, a blinders on whatever he says, I do. But if, if he speaks to those things and asks those things, I don't think uh, God is not going to hold you to submit to that. He wants you to submit to him in things that are reverent to him. Uh, someone who, a husband who may be medically incapacitated or maybe under the influence of mind-altering, like maybe, maybe they're, they're alcohol or maybe they're, they're on drugs or maybe they've just gotten to a season of life and they're, they're in dementia or, or whatever those things are, this is not that you're beholden to, to a, a, a drunken spouse that's spouting stuff off, that you just have to do whatever uh, they say. He, uh, it, there's no responsibility if he's violent and physically threatening. Uh, if he breaks the marriage bond by adultery, you do not have to submit to that kind of behavior and say, that's okay, I submit, you just keep on. That'd be, I'll just be here and submit. Right? And somebody like, don't worry, I ain't doing that. But you'd be surprised. The pressure that some women would feel to submit and make that okay as a way of life. Second way uh, we misinterpret this is wives will hear it this way. Uh, I'll submit to him as long as he does what the Lord wants. All right, does that, does that sound familiar? Like as, lo as long as I agree with him, I'll decide what God wants. You're trying to pick where we're going to send our kids to school. You have differing opinions. The wife says, well, I think God wants to send them here. And the husband says, I think God wants us to send them here. These are the type of day-to-day -day decisions that someone has to have the ultimate authority. You can't take a vote in that situation. And so it, it is not that big of a deal. The average person is going to submit to anything they agree to. <laughs> When you really want to test your submission, and am I really doing what God has called me to do as a wife, as a follower of Jesus, the submission, the test, is when you disagree. That's when it's the real test. Um... So it's only when there's a disagreement that submission is tested. I think it's important to remember uh, here that uh, 
This is not just Paul's guidance and direction of how to be a good wife. This is part of guidance of how to be a follower of Jesus. Like refusing to do this is not just oh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be a great wife today. You're really going against the guidance and direction that is given as a follower of Jesus. Remind you that it has nothing to do with whether or not your husband is right on a particular issue. It has to do with Jesus being right. It has nothing to do with your husband's intelligence or giftedness or capability. It has to do with honoring Jesus. Let me talk into a couple situations here before we move on to husbands. One, uh, if you are single and looking for a husband, so probably a good time to reflect and think, maybe attractiveness, wealth, um, attractiveness, uh, wealth. Are you listening to me? Maybe attractiveness and wealth and romance are not the most important things to be looking for when you're thinking about because you say, well, I, do I have to submit to a spouse, to a husband who is an unbeliever? Again, it is not about the person. It is about the role in your family. Do you have to submit to that husband if he's trying to get you to do something that's sinful and against God? No, and that might come up, and it's probably going to cause conflict. But just because he's not a believer doesn't negate the role and the structure of the family. And so, yes, submit to your husband. So if you're looking for a husband, again, attractive, wealthy, romantic, maybe the most important thing is a surrendered heart to Jesus. Maybe the most important thing, if you think, I gotta, I'm going to have to submit to this person, maybe this is a really important thing that he is submitted and surrendered to Jesus, Jesus kind of, uh, Paul speaks into this in, in 1 Corinthians. Uh, oh, I had a little note here. Because what can happen sometimes is, is you marry uh, your prize uh, selection of a husband. And you're so in love. And you're crying going down the altar. And you're so excited. And he's been so romantic. And, and he's so wealthy. And he's all these things. And then you find later that it is a surprise selection okay and so it's really important to get things right if you're thinking about getting married so what if my spouse is not a believer i want to give you some encouragement that paul gave in first corinthians chapter 7 he says now i will speak to the rest of you though i do not have a direct command from the lord if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him he must not leave her and if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage. Let me say, if, if you're in that role where you're the believer in the household, while it is a struggle, do not underestimate what a gift it is to your kids and your family 
to persevere and continue to serve. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't your husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Let me go to 1 Peter 3 just for a second and, uh, and read, a, read a passage for you. Paul wrote all this about marriage, and guess what? He was not married. All right? Okay? So let's go to, let's go to Peter. Peter had a wife. His mother-in-law even lived with him. All right? And so let's see what he has to say about this. He, in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter said, In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. What's the old the saying? You know, preach constantly and if necessary, use words. That Paul is encouraging these believing spouses to live godly lives in the presence of their unbelieving spouses. Then he says they will be won over by serving your pure and reverent lives. In other words, you don't have to beat them over the head with the Bible. You don't have to go home from this passage and say, let me tell you what God said, how you should be. Because if they're not a believer, they could care less what God says, more than likely. So the way to get them is pure lives, godly lives, pure and reverent lives to shine a light for them. So we're talking about three words here, S words. The first one is submit. Wives, submit. Now we're going to move on to husbands. And all the women said, Amen. Amen. There we go. Verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Love your wives and never treat them harshly. Love here is a priority. Again, Paul writes one verse for husbands. And he says, love your wives. I want us to, to backtrack, and I want you to hear me say, this is not by them a valentine. This word is agape. It is the same love in which God loves us. If you go to Ephesians 5.25, where Paul expounds on this a little bit, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for her. So wives submit. I want you to change out this word love, and this will help you kind of make it applicable in your life as a husband and in your marriage. I want, I want you to put in sacrifice. Wives submit. Husbands sacrifice. Husbands sacrifice. It does not say uh, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, husbands, rule your wives. <laughs> That's not where it went at all, is it? It went to be willing to die for your wife. Let me ask, as, as, a, as a wife, does that make it, is it easier to submit to a husband who's living into that that's willing to die for you? Right, you see, this is how God designed it. 
It's like two gears that come together that are perfectly oiled and got WD-40 on and all that greased up. And when the, the wife is submitting and the husband is sacrificing, man, it just works. This marriage turns and it's just perfect. It's beautiful. When one gets out of kilter, it begins to throw the whole machine out of chaos, into chaos. Amen. And so the, the, call, the call here and the ask is, that, again, this word has little to do with emotion. It has to do with self-denial for the sake of another. It's a love that loves without changing. It's a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. So when the, when the wife is submitting and the husband is sacrificing, there's going to be very little conflict in that place. And so if, if there's conflict, there's probably something there, and it comes back to that. And if you say, well, my husband is not sacrificing to me, I would probably say it may be because you're really not submitting. And if, if you, as a husband, say, my wife will not submit to me, Every time we get in an argument, I get right in the middle of it, and I quote Paul to her. I tell her, you're supposed to submit to me. I would probably say, you're not really sacrificing. And so when you get into that place where it's just conflict, somebody has to go first. Somebody has to, somebody has to start. Somebody has to be the first one to sacrifice or submit, and I believe men are called to be the initiator. Not to be the macho. They are called to willingly sacrifice, to give up that which they think they deserve. This last thing says love that gives out demanding or expecting repayment. You know when you buy flowers, you expect points. Are you with me for a minute? You expect points. Agape love doesn't expect points. Agape love deeply cares about the joy of your wife. That you genuinely buy the flowers not so you get points. You know what I'm saying, right? Y'all with me? You get brownie points. That Now she's happy and I got her points. Now she's good to me. She might kiss me tonight. All these things. And so you're doing it with this expectation, and God says, I want you to love her like I love you. Like, I want you to love her when you buy her flowers, and she doesn't even care, because that's the way you do me sometimes. Like, I want you to love her with this unconditional, with this amount of grace, and I want you to learn what it feels like for me to love you by loving her. And the, the vice versa, I want you as a wife to learn what it feels like loving him. And in this marriage, in this beautiful thing comes where you know somebody better than anybody else and you choose and with the will and the power of the Spirit, you love them anyway. Man, and in that is the, the picture that, that Paul gives us as Christ loves the church and made her his bride in marriage is the institution in our culture where we experience the most tangible thing of how God loves us and we're to love Him. And so in that place, in that, uh, that, that loving, that giving without expectation of return, 
It's a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable and unappealing. It is love that loves even when it is rejected. But here's the problem. There's a reason Paul had to say, never treat them harshly. Because men, we have a tend tendency to do that. There's a reason he had to say it. And we, we, have a, we have a tendency to let bitterness well up inside of us. Frustration. And when it all comes out in the disagreement or the fight, we respond harshly. Please don't ask Bethany if I've ever done that. Can I ask your wife if you've ever done that? This is the reason it needs to be said to us. Because we will tend to be here. And many men will say, if you only knew. If you only knew how she talks to me. If you only knew what she's done against me. If you only knew how she's ignored me physically. If you only knew how jealous she is. If you only knew how her insecurity comes through. And if you only knew how she accuses me. And we'll try to justify. We'll get to the point, right? You, you might try to get to that point of like, I lost it. And Paul just says, never. Never treat them harshly. So we got wives submit, husbands sacrifice. I want you to think just for a minute about one more word. I looked up, what do, what do couples fight about the most? What's the most common you know, uh, fights about money. We got one there. Probably not going, nobody brave enough to say one of the top three in here. Sex, children. That was it, man. Y'all are good. That was it. Money, sex, children. Next one was housework. You're fighting about the towel on the floor, the clothes on the hamper instead of in it. Talking about you're supposed to do the dishes, you're supposed to feed the dog. You, like, what'd you do today? Like, you fight about these things. The reality in all those things are just symptoms of something much deeper. And that's the third S word, and it's self. Self is the absolute enemy of your marriage. Self is the enemy of your marriage. It says, so we think two things. Submission means it's okay if it's not my way. <laughs> Is it hard of, for some of you to say as a wife, it's okay if it's not my way, I will follow you. We really want it our way. Sacrifice means not for my benefit. I'm going to do things not for my benefit. But for years, we really want to just, you know, watch football <laughs> on the couch, order pizza. It's about self. It's not, this is conditional, and it's not because the other person has earned it or deserved it. It's because God has required it. That's tough to hear so where does self come in when you demand to get to watch the game, when you spend what you want at Ulta and put it on the credit card when you know the budget? <laughs> when you refuse to wash the dishes, 
when you lose your temper and, and you're bitter over work and everything pours out on the other person, this is when it begins to fall apart, when self rises to the top. I want to just end with this thought as we very close. Three points of application that begin with R. Um, one, I, I want you to be relentless. I want you to be relentless in your effort to put your spouse first. This is a Valentine's Day. It could be a different one. I want you to really think, where, how's my spouse struggling? What are the hard things that I've ignored when they say, I need a break? And you say, well, I need a break too. Right? Is the response. How do we really think, how do I give the other person the rest they need? How do I put the other person first? Wives, submit to your husbands voluntarily, willingly. Husbands, willingly, voluntarily sacrifice for your wives. Lead as a servant and not with bitterness or harsh words. It's really, in other words, just try. Try to be what God has revealed to us here. Second thing is I want you to be reminded all of you in here, married, not married, single, widowed, be reminded if you're widowed of your marriage, remember the, the great times. Remember the difficult times. Let it remind you of how much God loves you. Let it remind you of that experience with that other person in a broken world where you both got flesh and you're trying to figure things out of how much God loves you. That he gave his own life for you while you were yet a sinner. And as his bride, let us remember to always be willing to submit to him. This is where I want you to get to this morning. Because to fix your marriage, first step is not submitting to your spouse. But it is surrendering to God. It is surrendering to God. So I want you to remember that. And I want you to be renewed in your commitment to Jesus. Here's what this means. Revelation 2.4 Never thought I'd be using this passage uh, for a marriage sermon to wrap it up, but this is what God put all over me this morning when I saw what's happened at Asbury. He was talking to the church at Ephesus, and the church at Ephesus did some amazing things. said, your works are great. You're doing all these things. And he said, yet I hold this against you, Jesus speaking to them. You have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken the love you had at first. And what he meant by that, he meant all these works and these good things that you've done. And let me tell you, we, we, we are at this place at New Beginnings where God has brought fruit out of this place and done some good things. Celebrate Recovery, Faith Life Market, Battle Line Boxing Club, Renew Faith Life Counseling. I mean, I could, go, I could keep going, Kids Ministries, and all these things where we're reaching lost and broken people, and God is beginning to heal. And it can very easily become prideful and become all about the works And we can get into this routine of doing this and do that, and i got to do this and get that done. And he says, you have forsaken your first love. You've taken your eye off me, and you've taken your eye on yourself. This happens in marriage. And I'm not asking you to go back and start with renewing your love to your spouse. I'm saying right now, today, Jesus, where are you in my life? Where have I put him in my life. 
If I'm going to submit to my husband, I first have to surrender to you. If I am going to sacrifice for my wife, I have to renew my commitment daily to him because it's his power inside of us that gives us the strength to love like he's called us to be loved. 1 John... Just a reminder, Valentine's Day coming up for y'all. 1 John 4, 19 says we love because he first loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 